Hello and welcome to another episode of CISO Tradecraft, the podcast that provides you with the information, knowledge, and wisdom to be a more effective cybersecurity leader. My name is G. Mark Hardy, and today I want to ask you a question. Have you ever counted the number of vendors you use for security infrastructure? You got a dozen? More? You're not even sure? While you think about that, let's take a moment to listen to a word from our sponsor. Don't let unseen vulnerabilities compromise your business. While advances in SaaS, DevOps, and cloud infrastructure have enabled your business to thrive, those advances have also opened new avenues for cybercriminals to exploit. The Chariot Offensive Security Platform keeps your business one step ahead of attackers with comprehensive attack service management technology and around-the-clock support from industry-leading security engineers. Try it for free at Praetorian.com. As a startup guy and a fan of other startups, I can tell you that most new companies start with an idea that's not being addressed by the current environment. In the 1980s, there was a robust market for new operating systems, MS-DOS, Mac OS, Windows, OS 2, Next Step, and even hardware-specific systems like Convergent Technology, CTOS. Today, you'd be hard-pressed to get VC funding for a startup that says, well, we're going to go create an operating system to compete against Microsoft and Linux. Now, VCs get dozens of business plans every month from new security startups, and a few of them get traction, and they see hundreds of them at trade show like RSA. And very few will even hit the Grand Slam and get to go public. Yet each started with an idea that they can fill some gap in the market that wasn't being addressed effectively by the market leader. We took home the tchotchkes for our kids and poured through their full-color marketing material and played golf with their sales reps and eventually convinced management to purchase and issue a PO for a YAST, which is my acronym for yet another security tool. But what if you were offered a challenge to protect your enterprise from a certain threat, let's say ransomware, using only a single vendor? Now, which one would you use? Now, that may seem impossible, but, but stick with me for a bit. We buy security tools, right? Why? To address things that are missing from our current lineup. But when was the last time you really took a close look at your current lineup? There are tools, features, and capabilities that you probably never have noticed or they've been added through updates that were built into your existing environment. And they may be new since the last time you looked closely, or you inherited a security tool shopping list when you started your job that you kept going as a path of least resistance. But that challenge to you still stands. How would you defend your enterprise against ransomware using organic resources that are already present in your environment? And what would you use as a guide? Well, that's what we're offering today, a roadmap of how to apply the Australian 8 to protect your enterprise against ransomware using only features and settings from your operating system, but Microsoft. Now, in episode 16, we went over the Australian Cybersecurity Center Essential 8 maturity model. And back in 2017, the Australians said there were eight controls that were the most important safeguards to implement. We think these are essential controls, and these eight controls will do more to secure a company against ransomware than any ad hoc strategy. And if you're looking for a refresher on them, please check out episode 16. You can find that on our website. The eight essentials are application control, patch applications, configure Microsoft Office macro settings, user application hardening, restrict admin privileges, patch operating systems, multi-factor authentication, and regular backups. Okay, let's accept it as a working premise that controls implementing the Australian 8 are your best approach to stopping ransomware. How do you go from theory 
to adoption. Well, that's the premise of today's show. We'll share with you how to do that using only tools and configuration settings for Microsoft. Now, if you're a pure Linux shop, I guess you get a week off of listening. But even so, as a security leader, this is information that you should know. If you're looking for a deeper dive, we highly recommend reading Microsoft's Australian blog, which we have a link to in our show notes. So let's dive in. Number one, application control. It's our first mitigation strategy against ransomware. Now, application control is a safeguard used to prevent the execution of malicious code or malware. And years of experience have shown it's impossible for antivirus to detect every variant and strain of malware. So let's not focus our efforts on an impossible task, knowing every piece of existing malware and placing it on a deny list. Let's focus on creating an allow list of approved software. If software being run on a corporate laptop is on the approved list, then you're good to go. And if not, it's blocked. Seems pretty simple. It's like a bouncer at a red carpet event. If you're not on the list, you're not going to get in. So how can we do this in Windows? Microsoft recommends three tools to implement application control. Number one is AppLocker, which was introduced by Microsoft in Windows 7 and allows organizations to control which applications are allowed to run on their Windows clients. AppLocker policies can apply to all users on a computer or to individual users and groups. Now note that AppLocker rules can be based on attributes of the code signing certificates used to sign an application in its binaries, attributes of the signed metadata from the file, such as file name, version, or hash of a file, or the path from which the app or file is launched. Once you figure out the AppLocker rules you want to implement, you can use the Windows Group Policy or Mobile Device Management, MDM, to enforce those rules. Next, Microsoft introduced Windows Defender Application Control, or WDAC, with Windows 10. In general, you can think of it as AppLocker 2.0. It provides more functionality and continues to have feature improvements, unlike AppLocker, which has no further code development. Now, WDAC has the same basic functionality, but it also has some additional features. For example, it can use the reputation of an app as determined by Microsoft's Intelligent Security Graph. It also has an option called Managed Installer, and this option allows you to automatically allow applications installed by your organization through Microsoft Configuration Manager or Microsoft Intune. If software is installed according to policy, it runs. If installed by the user without getting permission, then it's suspect and it's blocked. The final tool we want to highlight regarding application control is Aaron Locker, named after its developer, Aaron Margosis. You can find it at Microsoft's GitHub page at github.com slant Microsoft slant Aaron Locker. Now, Aaron Locker is a set of PowerShell scripts designed to make the creation and maintenance for new AppLocker and WDAC as easy as possible. It's not necessarily a new capability as much as a more efficient way to operationalize AppLocker and WDAC. Now, Aaron Locker allows you to customize rules in text files that become powerful PowerShell scripts that your environment runs. These rules restrict program and script execution by non-administrative users. Administrators can install any application, but usually do so only for authorized tools. However, if your users can install whatever they want, you end up with shadow IT, an increased attack surface, and chaos if one of those programs becomes the entry point for an attack. In a nutshell, if someone who isn't an admin tries to run a program or script file on their computer, Aaron Locker won't allow the application to run unless it was put there by an administrator. Now, this is a powerful concept. For example, when a user opens a zip file, the ownership metadata changes for the extracted folders and files, making it look like the user created it. And if that zip file contained malware, it might not get picked up by traditional sensors looking for 
code that comes from an external source. Because Aaron Locker verifies if an admin had installed an executable, this user installed executable would fail that test and it just wouldn't run. Now note that Aaron Locker is designed to support Windows 10 and above. Patch management is our second mitigation strategy against ransomware. Now note we're going to combine two essential eight mitigation strategies into one. Number two, patching applications, and number six, patching operating systems, since they both leverage patching tools to accomplish the same outcome. Now why is patching important? If hackers can run a Shodan query and find vulnerable software on your internet-facing IP addresses, then you're in for a bad day. We should continuously patch and minimize our attack surfaces. It's a perpetual activity that must be done in a timely manner. And Microsoft recommends three tools to help this important task. Microsoft Intune, Windows Update for Business, and Microsoft Defender Vulnerability Management. Microsoft Intune is an integrated solution for IT administrators to understand and manage patching across all endpoints in your tenant. It's Microsoft's version of a mobile device management or MDM tool. And note that Intune was formerly known as Microsoft Endpoint Manager, just in case you hear it referred to as such. You can enroll devices across a number of platforms, such as Windows, Mac, iOS, Android, and Linux. And from there, you can deploy, update, and even remove applications from a certain central console while managing identities, setting conditional access rules, and assigning policies. Using the dashboard, you can get scores, baselines, insights, and recommendations on how to harden your endpoints. Now, here's a tip. From the Intune homepage, go to Reports, Analytics, Endpoint Analytics to see how you can improve startup performance, take proactive remediations, and look at application reliability. Windows Update for Business is a free service for premium editions of Windows 10 and 11 that will let you control when updates are offered and pushed by your organization. Windows Update also provides the organization with a helpful tracker to answer compliance-related questions. When a new Microsoft update or feature comes out, you can set organizational policies that determine the timelines for when they're applied. You then configure group policy or mobile device management solutions like Intune to run the Windows Update for business settings. For example, users might see a notification to patch in 30 days or less. And if the user goes past that 30-day window, the optional requirement to patch becomes mandatory. Microsoft Defender Vulnerability Management is a third great tool to help with patching. You can find it on security.microsoft.com under Endpoints Vulnerability Management Dashboard. It offers an exposure score over time so you can measure your patching success, view top remediation activities that offer the best bang for the buck, and identify top vulnerability software and exposed devices in your inventory. You can think of it like an organic Qualys or Nessus vulnerability manager to keep your systems patched, reducing your susceptibility to ransomware. Configuring Microsoft Office macro settings is our third essential mitigation strategy. Everyone's become accustomed to sending Microsoft Word and Excel documents to each other, and these applications allow users to embed macro functionality, which means your Word or Excel document isn't just data anymore. Your Word or Excel document is now a script file, functions like an executable. And attackers can leverage this to attack organizations. For example, bad actor might use white font on a white background in cell number 4000, column ZZ, where no one's looking, that says, download and run this malicious piece of code. Now, what's worse is that attackers can now ask ChatGPT to write the code for them. I've seen examples of that. There's some safeguards in the tool, but people have gotten around it, and I've seen some posting. Go look for them. Because now, if we're expecting more malicious macros, what Windows tools can we apply to defend against them? 
The first is Windows Group Policy Settings. You can create group policy settings with a local group policy editor. Type Windows R, then group edit gpedit.msc. And here you can look at Windows components like Microsoft Edge, Microsoft Office, Access, change configurations, or even completely disable macros. Now, if you don't want to fully block macros from your organization, you can also choose to block macros that originated from the internet versus the ones written by your internal team. There are ways that bad actors will try to bypass the safeguard. For example, an attacker sends your accounting team a zip file containing a macro-enabled Excel spreadsheet. And as mentioned previously, Windows changes file ownership of unzipped files to the user, not the sender. And this means your macro blocking policy can be bypassed if it's based on file ownership. Better strategy, if you have to allow macros, is to trust only macros from digitally signed trusted publishers. And one other pro tip. We usually find it's more convenient to use Windows System Security Configuration Manager, SCCM, or Intune to configure any Microsoft Office macro settings. Microsoft Defender Application Guard safeguards against users opening harmful attachments and macros. It can protect Microsoft Edge, Microsoft Office, and other apps. With Application Guard, you start by defining what websites are internal to the company network and should be considered trusted sites. And after that, let's say an employee goes to an external, untrusted website called freesoftwaretools.com and installs unimproved software. When this happens, Microsoft Edge will open the website in an isolated Hyper-V virtual container, and this will limit the harm that can occur if a malicious file is executed. Also, if a user opens a malicious Excel file and runs a macro, the damage is minimized to the container and not to your host operating system with access to all of your sensitive files and credentials. It's kind of a novel technique, which you think is pretty cool. The third set of tools that protect your email portal are Exchange Online Protection and Microsoft Defender for Office 365. Exchange Online Protection, or EOP, is a baseline capability that offers prevent-to-detect capabilities, such as detecting and blocking spam, phishing, malware, impersonations, and implements allow and block rules for URLs and files. It also provides response capabilities, such as zero-hour auto-purge, or ZAP, of malicious emails. Defender for Office 365 Plan 1 provides all of that, because these capabilities are cumulative, and provides for safe attachments, safe links, and extends protection to SharePoint, Teams, and OneDrive. Defender for Office Plan 2 does all of that, plus enables automated investigation and response. The last tool to stop harmful macros and executables should come as no surprise. It's Microsoft Defender for Endpoint. This Microsoft suite offers threat and vulnerability management, attack surface reduction, endpoint detection and response, and auto-investigation and remediation. Defender for Endpoint is their AV EDR software, and like most antivirus software, it prevents malicious files from running in your organization through signature matching and heuristics. User application hardening is our fourth mitigation strategy against ransomware. If we can reduce the attack surface in our web browsers and our endpoints, then we can minimize the opportunities for bad actors to harm our users with malicious websites or content. Here's some helpful practices for Microsoft regarding Microsoft Intune. Use Microsoft Intune to remove legacy software. For example, in June of 2022, Microsoft officially retired Internet Explorer. Yet many organizations still allow this unpatched and unsupported software to persist within their organization. Now, if you found removing IE didn't break a critical business process, then you should use Intune to disable Internet Explorer and replace it with a more modern web browser like Microsoft Edge or Google Chrome. Now, if you found you had dependency on IE and you left it running, 
Microsoft is going to force your hand on February 14th of 2023 by permanently disabling IE 11 on Windows 10 devices. Now, if you're in that boat, better get busy or you're probably going to be working late on Valentine's Day doing emergency patching. Microsoft gets a hub page on Intune ACSC Windows Hardening Guidelines. Remember, ACSC stands for Australian Cybersecurity Center. Offers policies and scripts that you can adapt to meet the ACSC guidelines. And these policies do things like blocking Microsoft Office and PDF software from creating child processes, creating executable content, or injecting code. It can also remove legacy and obsolete versions of the .NET Framework, PowerShell 2.0, and IE 11. The last noteworthy thing you can do is ensure all blocked PowerShell script executions are centrally logged and protected from an authorized modification and deletion. If an attacker uses PowerShell scripts to steal credentials or perform lateral movement, the attacker won't be able to fully cover their tracks, and you should be able to get an alert in your EDR. Restricting administrative privileges is a fifth mitigation strategy against ransomware. If bad actors compromise an administrator account, they have a lot more capabilities to pivot through a network than if they start with a basic user access. And here are a couple of tools from Microsoft to help with access management and lease privilege. Azure Active Directory allows you to perform access reviews. You should look at the various roles and groups in Active Directory and ask, are the people in this list still helping the business in these roles? And if not, remove them from AD roles that grant elevated privileges. Now also count the number of global administrator accounts. Microsoft Best Practices recommends limiting this number to less than five. Seriously, go yank those accounts now. Now every Monday, I manually check for new global admins and review sign-in logs for all existing global administrators. Takes under five minutes. Put that on your Monday morning to-do list. I found new accounts that were not supposed to be there because another admin added it. And I use the lack of logins to prune my list of administrators. And don't forget to keep an emergency global administrator account just in case everything goes sideways. Microsoft Graph API is another helpful tool. You can use Graph API to look for users by date to determine inactive users. For example, you can query against the last sign-in date time to find all users who haven't logged into your systems in 60 days. You can send those users a notification saying, we're going to disable your account if you do not log into the corporate network in the next 30 days. I like the manual review I just suggested. This can be helpful for ensuring admin accounts don't go unforgotten. You can also save money when you reduce the license count of users that don't work here anymore. However, note that Microsoft has gone to enterprise licensing that discourage month-to-month -month users by upcharging those short-duration contracts. By making a one-year or three-year commitment, you're paying for those licenses whether or not you use them. So count carefully and avoid long-term commitments for short-term surges like summer intern hires. Multi-factor authentication is a sixth essential mitigation strategy to stop ransomware and bad actors. There's really one tool for this, so let's dive in. Azure Active Directory is the mainstay tool for the authentication. The pro tip we have for AD is really to look at conditional access policies. You can set authentication requirements to do things like require multi-factor authentication, block access from specific IPv4 geolocation, perhaps countries you'll never do business in, or even require applications to only allow sign-in from organization-managed devices. Now, this last condition is especially useful. Think about it. If a bad actor creates a malicious website that tricks your admin into giving up their password and even MFA credentials, that actor is still blocked from logging into your sensitive application because they're not coming from your corporate machine. And that's powerful. 
Now, don't just apply MFA to your websites. Make sure you also use it for remote desktop protocol, secure shell, and, of course, logging into the devices as well. Let's say a bad actor successfully fishes an administrator and steals all the SSH keys on their laptop. If the servers they log into don't limit access by IP address, the bad actor can get into those machines. Let's say the bad actor tries to log in but gets an MFA or challenge on SSH. That does two things. One, it blocks the bad actor from going any further. Two, it should alert your admin that someone is impersonating them and trying to use their credentials. And hopefully they're smart enough to call the cyber incident response team and report the incident. This could be helpful in preventing credential theft attacks. Let's say your company open source its software and puts it on a public GitHub. Unfortunately, Bobby the intern left a password credential in the code. And if there's no MFA challenge, then anyone who downloads that code can impersonate you. If it's a third-party application, you might not even know that it's occurring. So spend the time to secure all the things that support MFA. Our final essential mitigation strategy is daily backups. If the ransomware actors can encrypt all of your data and your backups, it's going to be really difficult to recover your data. Let's look at a few ways Microsoft can help you protect yourself. Microsoft OneDrive is the first thing you should consider. You can set it so every file or folder on a laptop is copied to a cloud backup hosted on OneDrive. If you upload your documents, one of the benefits you'll find is OneDrive performs ransomware detection. Well, actually, it's going to look for malware. And it might be the first way you find out that someone is modifying your sensitive files that you haven't looked at in them over a month. The next important thing is if your laptop is lost or damaged or encrypted, you can restore it from OneDrive. Azure Backup is another similar service to OneDrive that can help protect Azure virtual machines, databases, and even file shares. You can create backup policies to enforce data retention requirements. Now, one thing to note is the concept of soft delete. If someone deletes a file, it's still recoverable for up to 14 days. And if you found lurking ransomware within 14 days of infection, you can likely still recover all your data. There's also many helpful role-based access control policies you can tinker with. Well, that wraps up our show for stopping ransomware by implementing the essential eight Australian security controls via Microsoft products and features. We hope you enjoyed learning about Microsoft's capabilities. And just to recap, AppLocker, Windows Defender Application Control, or WDAC, and Aaron Locker can help with application controls by limiting access to only improved applications. Microsoft Intune, Windows Update for Business, and Microsoft Defender Vulnerability Management can help with patch management and keep your systems fully up to date. Windows Group Policy Settings and Microsoft Defender Application Guard can help safeguard your company against harmful macros in Office. Microsoft Intune can be used to manage devices, install or remove software, and track the presence of vulnerable applications. Azure Active Directory and Microsoft Graph API can help with restricting administrative privileges. Azure Active Directory can also be used to enforce multi-factor authentication with conditional access policies. And Microsoft OneDrive and Azure Backup can help with regular backups and recovery. Now, what do you think? Did you know you could do all that with just Microsoft? Now, we're not suggesting that you stop using any third-party tools, but we do suggest you have an obligation to use the capabilities for which you're already paying. Layered security has been a hallmark of effective protection for years. We hope that this episode helps you discover the hidden layers in your defense. If you learned something today that's new, please share a post about it. See so Tradecraft in your favorite social media. And if you like this episode, kindly give us a five-star review on your podcast provider. That will help us reach more great listeners, and we can give them the CISO tradecraft that they need to protect their careers and their information and their enterprise. This is your host, G. Mark Hardy. 
Thanks again for listening to our show. Until next time, stay safe out there.